Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. This week, we wanted to give you a taste of a new resource we're offering entitled Finding Freedom. Why does every story have a villain? Have you noticed that? All of the great stories. I mean, it's almost impossible to think of one. Cinderella, right? There's the wicked stepmother. In Sleeping Beauty, there's the wicked witch. And in the Chronicles of Narnia, right, there's the white witch. And in Braveheart, there's Longshanks, the evil king. And in Chocolat, there's the Pharisee mayor. And in Les Miserables, there's the inspector who presents himself as the defender of morality and righteousness, right? But he is evil, unmerciful, unkind, full of vengeance and judgment and contempt for the woman. Why does every great story have a villain? Because yours does. Because yours does. But most of you don't live like it, really. Most Christians in the United States right now, most women that I know, don't live like the story has a villain. And it makes life really confusing because all of this crap that we live under, right? all of the accusation and just the and the contempt and all the shame and the guilt and those things that you rehearse over to yourself after you have a conversation with someone, you know, all of that, right? And the difficulty in relationship. I mean, why is just having a friendship so hard, right? Let alone love, romance, marriage. Why is that? If you just take all that on yourself, we end up either feeling like I am just royally screwing up, right? It's just me. I'm just, I'm, I am such a blow it. Or it's God. He just doesn't hear my prayers. He just doesn't. I know he loves me. And, and one day I guess I'll experience that. But he sure doesn't really seem to be coming through a whole lot. You know what I mean? We end up in one of those two places if we don't live like the story has a villain. I mean, somebody's got to take the blame for all of that stuff, right? Either us or God. And he is delighted to leave it there. Absolutely delighted to leave it there. There's nothing that he enjoys more than living in a world where people don't believe in him, right? Because then he just gets to wreak havoc and no one does anything about it, right? He gets to just heap all this stuff on you and then blame you for it, Right? Insult to injury, as the saying goes, right? Kick them when they're down. Sweethearts, the story has a villain. You have an enemy. And the sooner that we wake up, the sooner that we choose to live in the reality of the world that God has given us, then we can get to the life. Then we can get to the freedom and the healing and the breakthrough and the restoration. If we'll accept the story in which we live, the story into which you were born is a story of a world at war. I mean, you just look at the flow of Scripture and you'll see that war is the backdrop of all of it. I mean, you take the Exodus, for example, 
And God has to go to war to set his people free from Egypt. Right? And Pharaoh doesn't exactly just, you know, roll over on the first please, right? I mean, it's blood and hail and locust and darkness and death. And finally, you know, he lets go, right? And then they barely get out of Egypt. And he changes his mind and he comes racing after them, right? And God destroys the Egyptian army. And then it's war to get to the promised land, the Amalekites and all of that. And then it's war to get into the promised land, the battle of Jericho and Ai. And then once they have the promised land, it's war to keep it, right? The judges go to war, right? Gideon, Deborah, David goes to war. The prophets go to war. It's the entire backdrop of Scripture. And I'm telling this to you because it has been stolen from us in the end of the 20th century, in the beginning of the 21st century, especially in the West. It's been just cloaked by the modern era and by this idea that, well, it's really just kind of us and God, and you do your best and you say your prayers, but that's really kind of all that's going on. (laughs) It's so naive. I mean, that is not what's going on. And it leaves so many women stuck and unable to get to the breakthrough because they don't live in the reality that the scriptures give us. And it doesn't end with the Old Testament. You get into the New Testament and Jesus comes. He says, I didn't come to bring peace, but what? A sword. He comes as a warrior, right? And with authority, he commands foul spirits, right? And with authority, he breaks the hold of the evil one over his people. He takes on the Pharisees. He is a fierce warrior. And when he comes back, right, at the end of the act, the end of act three, he comes back, his robe dipped in blood, right, with a great sword and a king mounted on a white horse. He comes back with armies to make war. It's just the reality of the world in which we live. Our hearts long for Eden. Our hearts long for a world that's just right and good. And it's coming, it's coming, but not yet. In the meantime, in the meantime, there is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus is coming to bring us life. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Peter says, heads up, be on the alert, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter is writing to Christians because he says, your brethren around the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Don't be discouraged, he says. Don't be blown away by it. It's it's okay. This is just part of the deal. It happens to Christians all around the world. But, he says, heads up, heads up, your enemy comes. And the idea here is not just temptation, right? He comes to give you a bad thought, you know? He says he comes to maul. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The the picture here is a fierce hatred, an absolute contempt, an utter malice, and a kind of vengeful plot against our lives. The idea here is that it is rather fierce. And at times it can be very intense. Heads up, Peter says, I want you to be aware of this so that 
you can move forward into the life that God has for you so that you can resist him. The story of your life is a story of the long and brutal assault on your heart by the one who knows who you could be and he fears you. He fears you. You look at all of the stories. Look at all of the great stories. Who does the villain go after? Is it the hero? No. Who does he go after? He goes after the beauty. So take it as a compliment. Really. The harder it's been, just the more difficult, the greater the assault, you must be amazing. This was a glimpse into a teaching that Stacy and I offer at our conferences. You can find out more about this new resource and many wonderful things that we're offering this fall by visiting our store at RansomedHeart.com.